Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Tona Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of Westminster Effects in Greenville, South Carolina. You can buy stuff for your guitar at westminstereffects.com. Make sure you share the show, comment, all that kind of stuff, and even get your new worship music via Westminster Worship and all that good stuff. Uh, I don't even remember. I didn't type out the script today, so whatever. Uh, we're not joined by Bradley Cox, pastor at Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina, but we are at long last rejoined by. Man, my first day back in like a month, and you didn't even bother typing up the script for the intro. Sure didn't. Gosh, Been a little busy. Hey, everybody. John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist. Uh, Augsburgian Christian drinking out of a IBM coffee mug because it gives me uh, um, visceral joy from Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, is it the coffee that gives you visceral joy? Well, or is it or is it IBM that gives you visceral joy? It's IBM. You know, I like classic computer stuff. I've got you know, I've got a Windows ninety eight rig in the back, all you know, kind of all matching brand and period correct and. Old computer Why? stuff excites me because that's back when stuff was fun, right? Like, like it was like every month was like a breakthrough, right? <laughs> that's true. Like the machine I had back there was from 1999. It was it was one of the top of the line gateways, and it's like 550 megahertz Pentium three. In like February of 2000, they broke the gigahertz barrier uh, for desktop <laughs> compute on uh, on like an Athlon chip. Like mm-hmm. six in six months, they doubled the max CPU speed. Like that was incredible. Now it's like, hey, look, we made the camera just a little bit better, and we added a lens for reasons. I mean, yep. like, well, even like that was <laughs> that was back when you were numbering Intel Pentium chips in single digits and stuff. Well, sure, <laughs> sure. got that Pentium four whatever, and and you had to know your your IRQs and your DMA addressing and see back back when the nerd was a nerd Cody that's that's why <laughs> I like the old stuff and anyways that's not why we're here tell them why we're here well, we're just going to do a full blown inquisition that's right i only have 30 minutes today because priorities and we're making making up a little bit for last week we didn't do the inquisition right. since we were announcing Westminster worship uh so as is tradition, we'll start with Brian Morris, who asks, which worship song would you pay good money to not sing or play at church for a year and how much? Ah, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I did see the uh, the screenshot of like the, the church silent auction thing. It was like, which hymn can you know, yeah. pull out of, uh, out of rotation? Um, okay, so this is one, let's set some, some ground rules here. This is one that has to be on our rotation. Yes. Um, I would easily pay a hundred bucks right now to never have anyone ever suggest a for King and country song. <laughs> Hands down. <clears throat> Why? Because it's not worship music. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's really, that's, that's low hanging really fruit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, that, 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 that's the main thing. I mean, they they have good songs. Um, I mean, they all kind of sound the same cause they do that kind of high, low shtick. Um, but it's either 
just straight show like showmanship, right? Or they're all very much kind of uh, self-reflective, uh, mm-hmm. not as beneficial as other suggestions. And, and I mean, not even going into theological topics here. I mean, just not as right. beneficial as other selections would be um, for the singing uh, among the body of Christ. I mean, really, I've said this so many times. Uh, I mean, as as instrumentalists, as, as musicians, we accompany the congregation in song to sing God's words back to Him and God's promises back to Him, uh, or also, or, or or to teach something to the congregation through song. I mean, really, that's why why we're here. Um, you know, to have to have selections that kind of verge on or walk that line between uh, like teenage brooding and like Christian <laughs> angst is, yeah. is is awkward. So mine is uh, I was reminded of this one last week. We've only played it three times in the last year, so I wouldn't shell out an enormous amount by any stretch. Uh, but Phil Wickham's Living Hope. Um, I just, I don't like the song and that first verse is just so immensely hokey. I, um, you know, that I, I'm a, I am in general a Wickham fan, but, um, that one is not in our catalog. Um, you're better for it. I think, I, I, I just think there are better songs. I don't think it's heretical. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah, I, I just I don't like love that. the song. I like that verse, though. I like hokey things. Like, hokey's, mm. like, hokey's my jam. It's like, if if I could do a service that was nothing but, like, all in all, awesome God and testify <laughs> to love by Avalon, like, I would do it. <laughs> like, like, that's, it's hokey. That's that's me. Yeah. Um, but well, yeah, this, can't, this one's can't not... In our, but I tell you what, what Phil Wickham song that I have been really enjoying, and just like I stop every single time, is uh, um, is well, great things is one, but Battle Belongs, man, god darn, I like uh, Battle Belongs to the Lord, you know, that that kind of old uh, revival era song was was always one of my favorites, but um, Phil Wickham's Battle Belongs, man, I just dig that song i mean it's it's essentially the uh uh it it sings to the doctrine of uh of, of prayer uh, a little bit um you know the battle belongs to you so and and man it's just so well written I, I can't get over it but anyways anyway next question how much would you pay eh, like 20 bucks okay Right. I wouldn't pay a whole lot. You gotta, I mean, you got to gauge it, right? It does. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't bother me. Like we, we, we're really not playing a lot of crap right now. Yeah. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't infuriate me to play that song, right? See, here's it's, my challenge. Like, I would have to draw. I would have to like buy a copy of Frickin' Quicken to uh, to really organize how much I'd spend to remove the songs I don't like from our catalog. Like, there are so many. <laughs> like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, someone brought up, uh, and and you know, I I I told him this, you know, the to to his face, and he listens to the show. I don't think he's going to matter, but uh, he brought up, uh, oh, Chainbreaker by Zach Williams, right? And uh, and you know, I think the week before, I got into a little spat of 
um, who you say I am, uh, Daigle versus, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or no, uh, who, who you say I am is the, the Hillsong one. That's nice. Yes. But then there's the, uh, then there's the you say by, by Lauren Daigle. And we got to spat about that. Cause I, I was, yeah, that song's trash. Yeah. Just I was straight up. I was suggesting the, the, the Hillsong one you know, to go with the theme and it worked anyways. Um, but, and that one's actually biblical. It is, you know, ab- absolutely. And, and, you know, the argument could be made for, um, for you say, but man, you got to jump through lots of hoops. Anyways, not going to get into that. It's not that type of episode, but one thing that really popped into my mind has kind of been on my heart since, geez, the last time we recorded probably, um, is that so a year and much, a half ago? <laughs> right, it feels that way. <laughs> so much music that's re- that's released nowadays speaks. I mean, Christian music. I mean, probably secular music too. But that's I don't care. Um, speaks to temporal struggles. That how Jesus is the deliverance from temporal struggles. You know that you know Jesus is a chain breaker. You know whether it's hurting or alcohol or whatever. And I realize that's part of his, his, you know, his, his personal testimony. And I get that. And I'm not belittling that at all because, um, you know, God certainly works those good works in us, including abandoning those, those bad behaviors. But the core of our messaging shouldn't be that a core of our messaging should be Christ crucified and him resurrected for the propitiation of our sin. And out of that comes our sanctification, which then from which, flows the good works which also implies not doing the bad stuff like it's this whole like concept that you miss the meaty part it's like you sit down at a, a really nice state you sit down at texas roadhouse right i mean i'm sure some will be like that's not a good steakhouse the steaks come from blah 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 you sit down at texas roadhouse because it's good gosh darn it and you don't care and you have the, you know, you have the cinnamon buns and you're like, oh, those are really good. And it comes time and you're looking, you see this big cowboy ribeye on the menu and you look at it and you're so hungry, right? It's juicy and grilled. And you're like, I will not have that. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go just right to the dessert. Yeah. Like that's, that's what it is. Like, it's still like part of the, I got to wonder, but I got to wonder how much the uh the charismatic doctrine of deliverance type yeah. of stuff has influenced that i gotta think that some of it has i know i i think i think you're absolutely spot on i i mean th- there's no secret that the world is hurting in many many ways right what <laughs> i know newsflash you never heard it here first thought. folks never would have thought right uh but for the message of that deliverance to be from those things. Yeah. You know, for I do not, for I count my current struggles, glory or, or something uh, uh, to the, to the tune. Um, well, it's not even, it's, I think it's not even struggles against those things. It's against the consequences mm, of those things. Right. Right. Um yeah. Mm. Anyways, th- I think that I think that maybe is fodder for an entire episode, but that's something that's been kind of rattling around in the mm-hmm. old noggin. But the but the end of the day is, man, I'd like to I'd like to pull an old Donald J. Trump and uh, and drain the swamp on our planning center set. Uh, <laughs> um, well, well, speaking of national leaders, oh great, Casey Starnes asks, 
are play, uh, not Pelagians. Uh, we're not talking about Pelagianism today. He asks, are pledges to flags and nations or groups idolatry? Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think necessarily. Sure. Uh, I think this falls within Christian liberty. Right. Because uh, there's, there's not really an explicit command. Um, I, now, cards on the table. Personally, and I'm not going to tell anybody else that they must or must not do the same thing. Uh, I, I don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, one, the origins are highly problematic. It was written by a socialist in order to encourage statism. Uh, and two, it, my allegiance is not ultimately to a piece of cloth, right? Right, Because it's I pledge allegiance to the flag, right? Mm-hmm. And to the Republic. Well, my ultimate allegiance is not to either of those. It's to Jesus. Sure. And if the United States comes off as against Jesus in something, <clears throat> Roe v. Wade, <clears throat> right? Uh, our tax code, whatever, I'm siding with God. Um, Every single so that's my reasoning. But if somebody else, I, like, I'm not going to be dogmatic about that. See, that would be absurd. For me, I find myself kind of. Uh, kind of like no you oh, you you just got su- you just got super glitchy for a second am i back so repeat whatever you just said oh yes you're I was back. just gonna say um oh uh, yeah i got sorry i'm also on call i have to acknowledge a couple alerts here hold on um Interesting. Someone's crashing the print spooler on one of my compute clusters. Anyways, uh, not that any of you care about this. Uh, I find myself walking an interesting line um, for for a couple reasons. Um, one is, uh, you know, I'm I'm pro law enforcement. I'm pro military. Um, that doesn't make me a you know, I bleed red, white, and blue uh, patriot. Um, sure. I mean. I don't have a problem with uh, with displaying, you know, displaying the American flag or, or anything. No, absolutely. Like that. I don't make a purpose. I don't. I don't, I don't necessarily uh, make. I'm not intentional about it, right? But on national holidays, if I remember, I'll um, I'll display the flag. You know, out of uh, honestly, out of honor uh, for our men and women in uniform. That's my primary. That's my primary motivation. Sure. Um, but you know, more moreover. Um, because my sons are involved in scouts, so am I. So I'm a Cub Scout uh, den leader, and uh, and also uh, kind of the committee chair uh, for our our pack. Um, and you know, every every pack meeting, you know, for those of you and who have had scouting experience, starts with the Pledge of Allegiance and the Scout Oath and the Scout Law. Um, and so that's something, and, and you know, respect towards the flag and things like that. And that those are things that we model, and uh, uh, and and I understand like the core of it is is really to develop, um, you know, responsible citizenship. I mean, that's really what the what the goal of it is. But I, I really haven't like grabbed onto that. Is like, mm, yes. I, I I don't know. It, it, for for the very same reasons, it it feels very counterintuitive. Like yes, be a good citizen, um, but be a be a better follower of Christ. Uh, it, it, I I wrote a, a blog uh, around some of these issues uh, a couple months ago. For anybody who's interested, at codyfields.com. Uh, 
surrounding politics and sports, mm. right? Like if, if we want right. to depoliticize sports, my, my conclusion was go all the way with it. Um, which I don't understand why a Cub Scout meeting should, <laughs> should start by acknowledging the United States of America, right? Like if, if it's in Tunisia, should it start out by acknowledging Tunisia <laughs> or, or Madagascar or India or whatever? Um, why wouldn't you start with something like a prayer and maybe the doxology, mm. right? Right. Uh, I, I, and this is just me trying to reason through, you know, you know, Jesus for everything, mm-hmm. right? He, he's Lord over Cub Scouts right? Uh, and sports and whatever. So why wouldn't we acknowledge him as opposed to, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to acknowledge the United States of America, but why is that our priority is, yeah. is my question. And, and, you know, that, that is a historical, you know, that's a historical component of, of the scouting program. And so right. um, it's, it's one of those sacred cow uh, sort of things, but um moving and i don't i don't whatever you know right like um you know i'll i'll teach i'll I'll teach respect you know just Mm -hmm. in general so but what's interesting to add add a little bit of extra color to this is you know my kids go to christian day school so our our church has an elementary school that's uh that's pushing about uh about 100 and 180 200 kids now at this point um, including a, a preschool and childcare that's about the same size, and uh, and I'm not sure if they do this part every day, but they they do it in their Thursday morning chapels. Is they do the pledge of allegiance to the flag, you know, the United States flag, but they also do the pledge to the Christian flag, which I, I know that you've uh, you've taken issue with the concept of a Christian flag in the past. Oh yeah, it's effectively a white banner uh, with a blue quadrant and a red cross in it. And it, it reads, I pledge allegiance to the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ and to the faith for which it stands, one Savior, eternal, with mercy and grace for all. Um, so, obviously, it's, 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 it's a play on, uh, on the, the national pledge. Um, I, I think the reason it exists is effectively so that we don't preach America over christ right mm-hmm. in in our schools but i don't know i mean i don't i don't necessarily uh want our school to raise hundreds of anarchists uh but at the, <laughs> but at the, at the same time um like the i mean there's nothing wrong with with this pledge i mean essentially it's uh Onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. I mean, it's effectively the same, the same thing. Um, and I mean, I think there's, I think there's value there. I just find it, I just find it interesting. I don't have any deeper thoughts on it. I just find mm-hmm. it interesting that it exists. Yeah. All right. Next question. Mm-hmm. Dustin Beeman asks, what is your least favorite heresy to argue against? <sighs> Oh well, mine's mine's uh, well. I, no, it's not heresy. Uh, heresy. Good grief! I can go first if you're having trouble. Yeah, go ahead. Probably Mormonism, honestly. Mm. Uh, it's yeah because there's layer upon layer upon layer that you have to sift through. Mm. 
Yeah, that's uh, a good point. And, and a lot of times, uh, like Jeff Durbin has talked about, you know, especially modern Mormons, a lot of times you have to convert them to Mormonism in, in order to get them out of Mormonism because right. they've gotten so squishy with some of their doctrines. And there's there's just that. Like, it's, it's easy with someone who is an advocate for word of faith heresies, right? Mm. Where it's, they already have that the Bible is the word of God kind of thing. And so you can then reason with them, no, here's what it says instead. Sure. With Mormonism, there's that, they already have that foundation of it's, uh, the Bible has been corrupted. Of mm. course, they never tell you how. They can never prove it, but that's yeah. their assumption. So we need things like the Book of Mormon, the King Follett discourse, uh, doctrines and covenants, blah, 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 blah. And you have to sort through all of those presuppositions. And it's just such a mess to wade mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. every time. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. And you know, having watched a, a decent amount of the apologia content, um, you know, you you definitely you definitely see that. Uh uh, in some of those encounters uh, that that Jeff and, and the like have, um, with uh, I, I don't know, you know, for for me being being the Lutheran guy, right? I mean, so many people when they think Lutheran, they think ELCA. I think. Oh I think, yeah, and and all and I I think that that's probably my least favorite heresy to argue uh, against. Not because there's not validity in it obviously um but there's baggage there 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 is there there's baggage and <clears throat> there's effectively two drastically different groups religious groups that share the same name but in name only and trying to convey you know the reason i use augsburgian is 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 much more loaded than than simply this um but you know trying to convey what lutheranism is to someone who may have the idea that nadia bulls weber is a lutheran right no and that's why every time uh like at the fight laugh feast conference i told everybody about the podcast i said when i mentioned you like the, the line is it's me, my pastor and a confessional Lutheran in Nebraska. <laughs> so a real one. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, yeah. Liberalism. Liberalism is, is one. I think we're kind of on the one same hell page of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Theological uh, liberalism. Li- not even once. Not even once. Uh, <laughs> liberalism and Mormonism both share the the assumption that the Bible effectively doesn't matter. Right. Right. Um, and, and you can make that case with the prosperity gospel with some of their stuff, but they'll at least give lip service to the Bible being the word of God sure. rather than liberalism, where it's it's just, oh, yeah, it's it was a bunch of old white dudes. Never mind that they were all Middle Eastern. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, no. and, like, and that that really was i mean the the genesis of the whole elca lcms kerfuffle uh thing really uh stemmed out of of this uh this seminex thing uh which was seminary in exile uh which really had to do with the direction that a good chunk 
of the uh, the Evangelical Lutheran Senate at the time was approaching Scripture with, and, and and they were really viewing it with a very low view of of Scripture and minimizing the authority and the norm normata norm normans that we see um, not only throughout the history of the church uh, but seen in Scripture itself, and just minimizing all of those things really so you could get away with what you wanted. I mean, at the end of the day, this is this is no different than the temptation of the serpent in the garden. Did God really mm-hmm. say? Did God really say? And I, I think that is a piece that's so, I mean, that that's, I mean, it, it, fairly spicy, uh, but is not often considered. I mean, well, lo- theological liberalism literally is. Did God really say this? Did yeah, he? it is. And, and yeah. that's how you end up with transgender bishops. Right. Like the ELCA last week. And I am I am <laughs> livid, not just because of that, but because the fact that they get the freaking cool names. We have presidents and circuit <laughs> circuit visitors. They have bishops. Circuit visitors. Dude. That's awful. They have freaking bishops. Like Yeah. We're 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 here trying to give people Jesus. They get to play freaking battle chess. Like, count me jealous. Whatever. I'll just start. Uh, wearing, I'll just start wearing a miter. I'll wear a miter if you call me bishop. We'll call it a dude. Okay. All right. All right, Bishop John. <laughs> Luther and Bishop John. I like Arch Archbishop. Sexy boat captain. <laughs> Let's just keep adding things to your business card. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a sheet of A four letter at the end. <laughs> just, just all these random initials. Yeah. Hey, and all by right. Way, I'm uh, still I'm still waiting for my nomination to the uh, Nebraska Admirals uh, Club so I can actually <laughs> uh, be a uh, uh, an admiral in the great state navy of of Nebraska. So somebody out there who gives who gives a dang, sign me up. Somebody, somebody. Uh, one, maybe two more. Brad Speed asks a little bit of a spicy question: How long until the podcast? is produced entitled the rise and fall of elevation church. (laughs) Well, we first Mm. off, first off, so Driscoll burned down his church six years ago, and now we have the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mm -hmm. So how long until Furtick burns down elevation? I don't think it happens personally. Because at Mars Hill, you had the theological underpinning to actually discipline a lead pastor. Right. And he fled. Mm-hmm. He fled that discipline. Elevation, even though Furtick is spouting dumber and dumber stuff all the time and borderline heretical things, uh, actually, not even borderline, but outright heretical things. Um, they don't have that framework. It's all about him. Right. Furtick is Elevation Church. And so what's going to happen is you're going to have to have some kind of reformation in that church happen that just burns through their congregation and they all realize that he's full of crap. Yeah. I mean, maybe then, maybe then you you get that podcast, see, but that I, not until then. I don't I don't even know. I don't even know that because, you know, with with elevation, the stuff that he says to someone who's not rooted firmly in Scripture, 
It's pretty easy to buy. Sounds yeah. good. It sounds good. It's a TED talk. Right. It sounds good. It's what you want to hear. It's engaging. It it's not, it doesn't seem manipulating. And the reason I bring that specific uh quality up is uh, I was talking to my parents the other night, and I said that they were watching some late night television. And uh and a commercial came across for miracle water. And I was like, You're kidding me. I remember when I was a kid, I'd say, you know, because I I've mentioned before I used to watch all those uh um, all those uh, hokey faith healers uh, on late night TV, mm-hmm. Benny Hinn and the like. And one of them was Peter Popov. And Peter Popov would sell Peter Popov's Miracle Water. And it was this little a little pouch about the size of, I don't know, that you'd get like uh, a salad dressing in, you know, from from like a Wendy's or something. And uh, and it was just water. And it was like, you drink it and all your problems would be gone. And it cost like 40 bucks or something like that. And uh, it was still being sold. And years ago... There was this huge expose done on on Popov on how people were coaching him. They had recordings. Like he didn't know any of the stuff, obviously, about the people that were in the audience or or what maladies they they had. Right. Everything was staged. This all came out. It was very well documented. I mean, it was proof positive. And he's still around swindling people, at least enough to uh, to not only produce, but to pay for a uh, television advertising spot. I mean, if and you even have guys, you and, have and, guys like uh, like yeah. Sean Bowles, who, who who claims to be a prophet, mm. and well, well, as as somebody you know on this road in this city and at you know whatever event, and he's holding an iPhone. And looking at the iPhone, <laughs> yeah. pretending that he's getting this from God. And, and they're just all a bunch of con men. Oh, Lord and Siri. It's obvious. Yeah, it's all obvious. And, and like Todd White with the leg lengthening mm-hmm. thing. I mean, even a, even to the Chris point Angel where track. like... <clears throat> yeah, have you, seen, uh, have you seen the first Holy Spirit movie? No, I haven't. Okay, so Todd White's in that, and he does the leg the leg lengthening thing in it. And there's a guy that he does that with, and he like he was walking around with a legit limp beforehand. And after, and you know, he's doing Jesus thinks you're awesome, man, and whatever. And afterward, the guy's like, "Yeah, it feels better. It feels better." And then he proceeds to limp away <laughs> with the exact same limp yeah. that he had before. And they left it in the movie. And people still thought that some miracle had happened. Right. And are you kidding? And that is why I don't think, uh, I mean, I, I don't think that elevation will, will, uh, crumble what I hope. And, and I hope and I pray, but I'm doubtful that someone will come alongside Steven in his personal life and Steve Furtick and say, man, you got to get together and then and then uses the platform of elevation church to elevate the gospel oh man that would be legit and very good wordplay mm. yeah thank you i appreciate that <laughs> i just had to throw that out at you let's do one more real 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 quick sounds good uh mike springstead mentioned uh that he's doing a church or his church is doing a church-wide romans survey in small groups 
uh, and they're two chapters in on a sermon series through the book of Galatians. So he asks, one, how much is too much gospel? That answer is, uh, there's no such thing. So long as there's a proper amount of law to maintain the sweetness of the gospel. Also, yes. Uh, But he says, to follow up, does studying Romans and Galatians mean we're worshiping Paul instead of Jesus? So it kind of gets back to your theological liberalism thing of Paul versus Jesus. And really, if you take them in context, there is no difference. Right. Sorry, work stuff. Sidetracked. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) We're professionals here at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. In various areas of our life, which I'm dealing with one of those right now. Oh, you can can keep going. I was just going to let it be awkward for a minute. Oh. I mean, I'm like typing a Slack message on my phone, but um, okay. But that that the question, and obviously Mike isn't asking this, but the the question in that sentiment of Paul versus Jesus just gets back to a low view of Scripture. If you actually have a high view of Scripture and all it contains. So that, you know, that gets to the liberalism thing, the Mormonism thing, and the elevation thing for that matter. Because elevation cannot, Furtick cannot handle a top-to-bottom text in context. He has to yank out a verse or two, and then he just bloviates as to whatever motivational shtick he can come up with that day. Mm. And that's really about it. Um do we actually believe that the Bible is what it says, says it is and what the church has said that it is for 2,000 years? That's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I followed and heard none of that, but I'm going to agree with you because we're friends. And yeah, fair I enough. G- I generally trust you. <laughs> so long as Except not, for that whole... Uh, so long as there's not water and wine involved, uh, you, got, you got my <laughs> vote there, son. So long as it doesn't involve, uh, involve uh, communion and baptizing babies, we're pretty we're pretty much good. Spot on. Oh, uh, let's leave it there. You got to get back to work. Yeah, I got a meeting come up in seven minutes, and I'm getting I'm getting all sorts of messages. Such is life. I hope I'll be able to be here uh, next week uh, again yes. with everybody. But you know, one uh, one week at a time is uh, is what is what we got to do. Uh, in these latter days. Uh, I got nothing. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>